0: You're listening to a live audio recording from Women's Bible Fellowship at LEFC. This is week number two of None Like Him. Today's teaching focuses on the truth that God is incomprehensible. So before we dive into this week's study on God's attribute of incomprehensible, infinite mercy... Let me give a disclaimer first. You may have already realized that there will be some overlap as we describe the various attributes, and some of the points I make may even seem repetitive to you. But the same is true of human traits also, and the way we describe people. If I were to tell you about my friend Jenny Hoover every week throughout the semester, today I might choose to say she is so hospitable, and in that hospitable spirit she is warm and welcoming. And then next week, if I were to say, okay, today I want to focus on Jenny's trait of friendliness and being so outgoing, again, I would probably use the words warm and welcoming to describe her. God's attributes are interlinked also. If he wasn't all-knowing, omniscient, how could he be completely wise? If he wasn't all-powerful, omnipotent, how could he be completely sovereign? In fact, the next two weeks, we're going to be studying his attributes of being self-existent and self-sufficient, and there will definitely be some overlap there. And so, incomprehensible hits up against some of last week. You probably realized that as you were reading, the whole, um, reading through the chapter, which we looked last week at infinite, which is to say God is unfathomable and unsearchable in his ways and thoughts. He is beyond our understanding i.e. incomprehensible. So you can see how closely linked those two traits are. I hope you're not frustrated by the intersection of these attributes. There is so much to unpack about who God is. Repetition can only bring, help to bring more clarity, which in turn will lead us to a greater awe and amazement of all God is, globally and to us personally. So let me pray for our time together. Father God, you are beyond our understanding. You, we just stand in awe of you, Lord, and are amazed. I thank you that you choose to reveal to us what we need to know and what we can handle knowing. And I just pray, Lord God, that this time now will be pleasing in your sight. I pray that you will open our ears, open our hearts, remove the distracting thoughts that are running through our mind, as we seek to just learn more about you so that we may love you more. Thank you, God, for teaching us what love is. In your son's name we pray, amen. So incomprehensible is defined as not able to be understood. Not just that it's difficult to understand, it is not able to be understood. So it's not like math homework as your child is struggling through it, or probably more truthfully, you as the parent who is struggling to help your child with the math homework. A synonym I found for incomprehensible is indecipherable. We cannot completely break the code of God and who he is, so to speak. A story is told about a man approaching God and saying, God, would you grant me one wish? And God said, sure. Tell me what you would like and I will grant it for you. So the man said, well, I live in California, but I love to visit Hawaii. It's my favorite place to go on vacation, but I've, gotten, I've, I've come to be really afraid of flying. I hate flying. So could you build a bridge from California to Hawaii? That way I can still travel there and I don't have to fly. And God looked at him and said, wow, that is a really big ask. I mean, do you know how many miles there are from California to Hawaii? Do you know the depth of the ocean? At different points, the amount of steel, and concrete, and manpower, the difficulty of the engineering, that is a really huge, huge thing to ask for. Is there anything else you would like? So the man thought for a minute and said, Well, yeah, actually there is. I do have another request. I would like to be able to completely understand my wife. Without hesitating, God looked at him and said, okay, so for that bridge, do you want two lanes or four? Um, So we chuckle at that, but there's also a lot of truth behind that, right? We are difficult to understand. Arthur Pink, in his book on the attributes of God, says this, God is first an incomprehensible being, but the incomprehensibility of the divine nature is not a reason why we should resist from reverent inquiry and prayerful strivings to apprehend what he has so graciously revealed of himself in his word. Because we are unable to acquire perfect knowledge, it would be folly, he's saying it would be foolish, to say that we will therefore make no efforts to attain to any agree of it. I agree with Pink, and in your homework you considered the question, That if a skeptic were to ask you, or maybe if you were that skeptic at times, okay, so if God is impossible to understand, if he is truly incomprehensible, then why do you spend so much energy and time studying his word? Is it an exercise in futility? Absolutely not. Just because we cannot reach the very depth of who God is, does not mean that we should not dive in and swim as deep as we can go. The more we can know about God, the more we will love about God, and the more our lives will be transformed to look like God. My husband may never fully understand what makes me tick. But after 35 years of listening to me and talking with me and spending a lot of time together, He knows me a whole lot more than he did that first year. And because of it, our relationship is much richer and stronger, and our love has grown. I certainly don't want my husband to ever stop trying to understand me, to talk to me about my thoughts and my feelings. Charles Spurgeon said, Nothing will so enlarge the intellect, nothing so magnify the whole soul of man as a devout earnest continued investigation into the subject of the deity the most excellent study for expanding the soul is the science of christ and him crucified and the knowledge of the godhead in the glorious trinity there is something exceedingly improving to the mind in thinking about the divinity it is a subject so vast that all of our thoughts are lost in its immensity so deep that our pride is drowned in its infinity. I love that word picture, that image that Spurgeon used, that our pride will be drowned in the infinity of God. The more we try to grasp who God is, the more his incomprehensible nature will shrink and hopefully maybe even swallow our pride. Clearly, just because we can never fully comprehend all God is, That should not prevent us or discourage us from pursuing greater understanding with zeal and commitment. That's why it's so awesome that you ladies, even on this rainy, rainy morning, made the effort to be here, to contemplate God, to study his word, to learn about his attributes. And on the flip side, nor should we fool ourselves into thinking that maybe we've kind of cracked the code of who God is. Maybe we do kind of fully understand him. Maybe we kind of know all there is to know about him. Lest we think that we have figured out the mystery of God, I'm going to read some excerpts from Job, chapters 38 to the beginning of 40. And I'm just reading different select verses. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who set its measurements, since you know? Or who stretched the line on it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? Or who enclosed the sea with doors? Have you entered into the springs of the sea? Or have you walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Have you understood the expanse of the earth? Tell me if you know all of this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light, and darkness, where is its place? Have you entered the storehouses of the snow, or have you seen the storehouses of hail, which I reserve for the time of distress, for the day of war and battle? Where is the way that the light is divided? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Do you know the time the mountain goats give birth? Do you observe the calving of the deer? Can you count the months they fulfill, or do you know the time they give birth? Is it by your understanding that the hawk soars, stretching his wings toward the south? And then the beginning of chapter 40. Then the Lord said to Job, Will the fault finder contend with the Almighty? Let him who reproves God answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am insignificant. What can I reply to thee? I lay my hand on my mouth. Once I have spoken, and I will not answer, even twice, and I will add no more. For the past five years, I've worked for two attorneys, and it doesn't matter how masterful or skilled they are in the courtroom. They pale in comparison to God's ability to present his case to Job and to us. Arthur Pink challenges the reader that the incomprehensibility of the divine nature should teach us humility, caution, and reverence. And in your homework, you considered each of those. Let's look closely at Job's words in chapter 40, verse 4, to see each of those three responses. I'll read that verse again. Behold, I am insignificant. What can I reply to thee? I lay my hand on my mouth. Once I have spoken, and I will not answer, even twice, and I will add no more. We see humility when Job says, behold, I am insignificant. When we look in the mirror of God's infinite nature, we see the reflection of our finite. When we look in the mirror of God's incomprehensibility, we see the reflection of one who is fully known by her creator, that should result in our utter humbleness before the Almighty God. And in addition, it should cause immense gratitude to well up in our hearts that he chooses to have an intimate relationship with us. He chooses to know us completely and call us his child, beloved and chosen. We see, God, we see Job's caution when he says, I lay my hand on my mouth. The psalmist writes, be still and know that I am God. We dare not forge full steam ahead with our plans when we cannot begin to fully know or even understand God's perfect plans and thoughts. We should proceed cautiously seeking his will and guidance. Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you. We see Job's reverence When he says, what can I reply to thee? I will not answer. I will add no more. When Moses encountered God in the burning bush, God commanded him to remove his sandals for he was standing on holy ground. When Isaiah gets a glimpse of God's holiness, his response is, woe is me. I am silenced, a man of unclean lips. When we begin to grasp God's mystery and incomprehensibility, we should have no response but to worship and to say, I stand, I stand in awe of you. Holy God to whom all praises due. I stand in awe of you. So God is an infinite mystery, something unknown except by divine revelation according to what he chooses to reveal to us through his Holy Spirit. And people have varying reactions to mysteries. How many of you love to read a good mystery? Does anyone out there, some of you like to read a good mystery? Some people are intrigued. They're attracted to the mystery. They love the suspense and the not knowing. Other people are just frustrated by a mystery. They want to know, and they want to know now. When they pick up a mystery novel, they immediately turn to the last page to see who done it. Are all-wise, an all-loving Heavenly Father has determined that we sometimes need to rest, to rest in the unknown, in the mystery, trusting his character even when we don't have all the answers or understand the reason why. My mom, over the past several years, has kind of developed this other non biologically related family, and she's gotten very, very close with the mom and the adult children and the grandchildren. And this past Sunday, little five-year-old Chandler was playing in the, um, at his grandparents' farm, and his daddy was driving a big piece of equipment. And Chandler said, Daddy, I'm going to go in the barn and play with the chickens. And Daddy didn't turn to look before he backed up the tractor, or I think it's a skidder, some very big piece of equipment with huge tires. And so little Chandler was underneath the tire. There is no earthly, humanly way to understand that situation. It is impossible to be able to explain the why of that. And ladies, it is at that time when we cannot trace God's hand that we must Trust his heart. I'm going to read several scriptures that address the mystery of God. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. There are secret things that only God knows, but we can know what we need to know, And the reason we need to know it by studying his word is so that we can do what it says. So that we can obey the words of his law. Colossians 2, 1 through 3. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea. And for all who have not seen me face to face. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. To reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus Christ is one with God, and therefore the full mystery of God is hidden in him also. Revelation 10, 5 through 7, And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, that there would be no more delay, but that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled, just as he announced to his servants the prophets. We know the mystery of God will be perfectly fulfilled, but we do not know exactly what that mystery is. We know Gentiles are grafted in, We know Jesus will return one day. We know Satan will be defeated. But we do not fully know all the details of his plan or the timing. But we can take comfort that it will come to pass as he has so perfectly decreed that it would. 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 7. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. The hidden wisdom is for our benefit. God is gracious in withholding some of that from us. 1 Corinthians 4.1, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. A servant follows his master's orders. He doesn't question or challenge based on his lack of understanding. And a steward is someone that can be trusted to care for the things that are important or dear to their master. We must care for the mysteries of God despite our lack of full knowledge. And we can do this because we know and trust his character. So the question for each of us, Despite God being incomprehensible in so many ways and such a mystery, do we, can we still believe him? Or do we believe only that which we can understand and explain? For some, the mystery of God causes them to be a skeptic. They cannot reconcile how a loving God who is sovereign can allow bad things to happen. Several years ago, I worked with a young gentleman named Stanley. And he said he just could not believe in God because there were starving children around the world. That was a mystery that he could not grasp or accept. And so he chose to reject God altogether. A.W. Tozer points out that there are two types of faith, nominal and real. Nominal faith is faith that accepts what is told and it can quote text after text to prove it. He then explains what he calls real faith a faith that depends upon the character of God. He says, you will remember that the scripture does not say, Abraham believed the text, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. It says, Abraham believed God. It was not what Abraham believed. It was who Abraham believed that counted. Real faith believes God, And that faith rests on the character of God, even when all the answers are not clear. Real faith understands that greater knowledge of God is a means towards an end. And God is the end, not the knowledge itself. Several years ago, I did a Beth Moore study on believing God. She stressed the difference between believing in God and believing God himself. If we just believe in God, then the mystery of him may be a stumbling block on our faith journey. We may get frustrated at not being able to have all the answers, but if we truly believe God himself, we can trust him and accept the unknown parts. She had us to develop a habit of a way to remind ourselves that we do believe God and not just in him. For the benefit of the ladies who are listening virtually, I'm going to tap my chest, tap my forehead, and point heavenward. She had us practice it over and over again so that when we encountered a trial that didn't seem fair or a situation that we could not understand, we would remind ourselves, I believe God. I believe God. When I think about little five-year-old Chandler and how his life has ended... And how his poor daddy, who was driving that tractor, is now weighed down by so much guilt in addition to the grief. I have to say to myself, I believe God is merciful. I believe God is gracious. I believe God is compassionate. I believe God is sovereign. I believe God's plan is perfect. I drive over a bridge, even though the engineering behind it is a complete mystery to me. I flip on a light switch, even though how electricity actually works is a complete mystery to me. I turn on the television, even though I can in no way explain how satellites work to transmit people and images and action and words in real time. And not only do I do these things, but I fully believe and expect that that bridge will support the weight of my car, that the lights will come on when I flip the switch that the television show will start when I hit the remote. And I act in a way that demonstrates to all the people around me that I believe those things. Furthermore, I accept that I don't understand the mystery, and probably never will, and I'm okay with that. I will still drive over bridges, I will still use lights, and I will still watch television. How much more so with God can we believe that which we cannot explain or even understand? Because we know his character and his great love and his faithfulness. He cannot lie. He is all truth. He cannot change. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And as we considered last last week, he cannot be less than infinite in all his qualities. Once we became a Christian, we began to understand more. The veil, the scales were removed from our eyes, and we will continue to grow in our knowledge as the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit illuminates and reveals more of his truth to us on our sanctification journey. God does want us to understand all that we can about him, all that he has revealed, and he also wants us to trust him for that which we cannot understand. Arthur Pink states that even one day in heaven, in our glorified state, we Christians will still be finite creatures, and therefore never able to fully comprehend the infinite God. To comprehend infinite perfection, we would have to be infinite ourselves. Even in heaven, our knowledge will be partial, but at the same time, our joy will be complete. When ages after ages have passed away, he will still be the incomprehensible God. I love how he highlights that though our knowledge may be partial, our joy will be complete. And we will have all of eternity in his presence to get to know him more and more and more. Lord of Lords, Yahweh, the Great I Am. In closing, I just want to emphasize Jen's thought that we do not, that what we do not know about God, what remains a mystery, it would only affirm, it would only magnify his perfection and attributes. There are no skeletons in God's closet. He has no secret traits that he would be ashamed of, unlike us. Everything about him, the revealed and the mysterious, the known, And the incomprehensible. Everything is completely lovely and holy and perfect, just like His love for each of you. Let me pray. Oh Lord, sometimes it is overwhelming when we try to search the depth of who You are. Sometimes it's hard to rest in the unknown, it's hard to look at difficult situations. And accept that we do not know why or what the plan is or how good will come of it. Oh Lord, when we cannot trace your hand, help us to trust your heart. Grow in us such a faith that we can rest in the unknown because we know it is not unknown to you. We can trust the future because we know you hold the future in your hand and you hold each of us lovingly. In your sovereign hand. Father God, our thank you is not enough to express the gratitude that we feel for all that you are. And yet, in that infinite knowledge that you love us and know us so completely and so thoroughly, there is nothing in us hidden from you. And yet, you love us anyway. We praise you, Father. We adore you, Father, and truly we stand, we stand in awe of you. Amen.